0: Hello, subscribers of As If. It is me, Darren, the host of the first and last episode of As If, and a few episodes in between. Today, a new podcast featuring me as host is launching, and so I have decided to upload it to your feed. So if you do want to listen to more episodes, then search iTunes for Prince Track by Track. Meanwhile, here is the episode. Ooh. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Prince Track by Track. Uh, I am your host, Darren. We're going to be going through all of Prince's songs from 1978 until his death in 2016. Every album released by Prince. Um, I'm not going to cover all the stuff done by The Time or The Family or Jill Jones, or Madhouse, or Carmen Electra, <laughs> or I Could Go On For Hours, any of the other kind of side projects, um, including the, the kind of solo NPG albums, I'm not going to go into all that stuff because, uh, quite frankly, I, I need this to finish at some point um, before the end of the decade. Um, so... I'm just going to cover what Prince recorded, Um, and I know that, um, you know, coming up in a a couple of weeks' time is the release of the deluxe version of Purple Rain, which is going to have, like, lots of extra tracks that weren't released. I'm not going to cover those tracks because, you know, um, Prince put out Purple Rain with nine tracks on. That was the album he wanted people to hear, so uh, that is how I'm going to treat Prince's career. You know, these are the songs that he put out. This is what he wanted people to listen to. Uh, Everything else that was in the vault, he put in the vault for a reason. As great as it's going to be as a Prince fan to hear album after album after album of unreleased material for the next decade or so, you know, that was the stuff that Prince put to one side because he didn't want people to be listening to it at that particular time. So, um, and as we get into the stuff from like the 90s and 2000s, you know, we can talk about why Prince had disputes with his record label uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Today we're going to be covering the first track, which is called For You from the album For You. Of note, it is not the number four followed by the letter U. It is actually <laughs> spelt out for you. Um, as with all the tracks on this album, it was recorded in 1977 in the record plant in Saucer Leader in California. Um, Prince then did some overdubs um, in early 78 at uh, Sound Labs in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, until he until we get to like 1987, so until, until like nine years later, Prince would record in various locations, uh, pretty much every album after Sign of the Times was recorded at Paisley Park. Um, but for the moment, he was kind of, um, he would either record in, you know, very well-established studios, or he, he started using a, a home studio, uh, which I think was just two eight-tracks banged next to each other, which is, you know, the, the start of, um, of him experimenting, um, you know, as we get further into his career. Um, it's just Prince on this track. It's a very, very short track, just six seconds over a minute um and it's basically just you know prince um singing some a cappella and my guest today is Aaron Gambrell hello aaron hello um before we get into the track uh, i'm just going to give a little bit of a background as to how prince arrived at this particular point um he you know he was born uh, his father was john nelson uh, a, a musician um and his mother was a, a jazz singer as well um so prince had you know a lot of um you know, a lot of music in his household. Uh, when he when he was 13, his parents divorced and he moved in with his friend uh, Andre Anderson, uh, later known to us as Andre Simone. Uh, one of the first people I think that Prince decided to give a new name to. Um, yeah, something that he would do often with his band members later on. Um, and in fact, uh, there is one very well-known person who basically keeps the name that Prince gave to her um, and I mean, Apollonia kept her name, uh, but uh, Carmen Electra has never gone back to her birth name. So, um, and you know, Prince, while he was at school, he was um, he was an accomplished basketball player, which is something which would surprise anybody who knows that Prince stopped growing at you know exactly five foot, um, or you know five foot three in heels, as he mostly was for the rest <laughs> of his career. Um, and you know, he he met uh, Jimmy Jam. <laughs> Which is, I just I love I just love the fact that, that everybody associated with Prince has kind of odd names. But uh, James James Harris and uh, his friend Terry Lewis they they known as um, Jam and Lewis. They went on later to produce, um, you know Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson Boys to Men. You know they had a they've got a really good career as producers. But you know when they were in Minneapolis, you know they met Prince. They were impressed, and. Um, you know, they, they started kind of working with him and Prince was in a band uh, called 94 East. Um, he played on a couple of tracks along with Andre Simone and he recorded only one song. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the guy who, who, you know, was in charge of 94 East years later, he would use this one song as a way to release an entire album and put Prince's name <laughs> quite prominently on it. Uh, something which I think also happened with the Beatles later in their career. Mm-hmm. People were releasing albums where the Beatles did backing vocals and and you know just kind of using the name. Um, Prince he went into the studio when he was um, when he was like sixteen uh, with a guy called Chris Moon who gets a co-writing credit on this album because he did like a demo track uh, and he took that to um, a manager in Minneapolis called Owen Husney um, and he signed Prince and then he used this demo track. Um, to kind of take it to all the different record labels. um, And Warner Brothers, A&M, Columbia, they all kind of had a bit of a bidding war. And eventually he signed with Warner Brothers. Um, They gave him a three-album deal and they gave him quite a large advance. Um, And Prince, on this particular album, spent three times that advance (laughs) just on the first album. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a reason why Dirty Mind and Controversy Sound like they were recorded like in someone's bedroom as demos because that's pretty much as much money as Prince had left after spending all the money on this uh, particular album. Um, Once um, you know, once uh, Warner Brothers released this album, they they claimed that Prince first of all was eighteen, even though he was just about to turn twenty, and they also made a big thing about the amount of instruments that he played. Um, And it's worth saying, of course, that any Prince fan knows that, you know, on the back of all the albums, it says produced, arranged, composed and performed by Prince. And that level of control was something that Warner Brothers gave him right from the beginning. Um, Warner Brothers actually have a reputation for being um, an artist led um, record label at the time. And that was something that attracted Prince, you know, to them. And the guy who, you know, who ran Warner Brothers from the 70s through to the kind of mid 90s, he was a big fan of Prince, and he basically would let Prince do whatever he wanted, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Can you imagine
1: yeah. giving that much power to a nineteen-year-old?
0: Like, yeah, yeah. It's I, kind of it's weird because like this, you know, the story of Prince is so well established that you think to yourself now, who would give a nineteen-year-old? I think what mm-hmm. the equivalent these days is roughly a million dollars to make an album, well, to yeah. make three albums, but then he spends it all on the first right, album. Right. And then what would you do with that artist? There's no way you'd say, oh, don't worry, we'll give you the other two albums and you deal. You'd just get rid of them. And you, you yeah. would, you, they would never work again. But, you know, Prince had such undeniable talent that Warner Brothers backed him fully. You know, the following year after this album came out, you know, Prince, uh, you know, he reunited with Andre Simone and, um, and Des Dickerson, who later features in, um, in, in Purple Rain. And um, Dr. Fink and Bobby Z, and that was his touring band. Um, and the first show that they ever played was at the Capri Theater uh, on the fifth of January, nineteen seventy-nine. And that is the only time that this song was ever performed live.
1: Wow!
0: Uh, Prince he performed it as you know part of a show to kind of do a showcase for the album for Warner Brother executives, and mm-hmm. then he never performed this track live ever again. Yeah. which I can kind of see why because. Yeah. It's it's such a simple track but it's a lot of prints you know it's like well it's seven... a lot of
1: right it's like layering vocals and that's really yeah. hard to
0: pull off live Yeah so uh, it's also worth mentioning that Gail Chapman was in that band Gail Chapman achieves notoriety later on because uh, a song on one of the later albums she was morally objected to and so she left the band <laughs> over it um, uh. which led to Lisa Coleman joining the band and obviously you know from there on the rest is history mm-hmm. um but yeah, so the, the thing is that, you know, having spent so much money, Prince kind of needed to convince the Warner Brothers executives that he, you know, that he had something. And that's why he gave that concert. And then they kind of okayed him to start recording on the second <laughs> album of the three <laughs> album deal. So it was almost like a, you know, a, a concert to kind of save his career at that point. But, right. uh, you know, knowing how, you know, famous um, Prince is, you know, Live, I, it's not surprising that Warner Brothers were like, no, we no we've got no problem, you know. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, the fact as well that they flew to to you know Minnesota to see this uh, <laughs> talent. That's that's the, that's the kind of level of sway that Prince had. It's uh, the pool you know. of Prince. Yeah, to to be <laughs> able to convince them and say, look, you know, come over. Um, mm. And now, I don't think it's established until his second album, but his publishing company is Echnop which is just Prince spelt backwards uh, for this first album. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a publishing company. And then obviously later on, it becomes uh controversy. Music becomes his publishing company. Um, and you know, this song, I mean, <laughs> it just, it really doesn't kind of tell you anything about Prince other than he can, you know, he can, he can keep pitch. Uh, yeah. But before we get into discussing, you know, as much as we possibly can about <laughs> this very <laughs> short song, I was going to ask Aaron, um, how did you get into Prince? I mean, I, I, in the introduction a- episode, I specifically remember hearing Get Off being played, you know, over th- in the summer of uh, like 91. And, and that was the song that kind of hooked me and got me into mm-hmm. Prince. Um, mm-hmm. So do you specifically remember when you got into Prince? Or, you know, is this as there's a case with a, a few of the other upcoming guests, has he basically always just been around?
1: <laughs> um, so I, I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in the early 80s. And so I actually do have like a very visceral memory of my first Prince related, um, experience. And that was, I think, and I was trying to look it up for, before recording, um, I guess it must've been maybe in 89 he toured, um, for his Love Sexy tour. And my sister, my oldest sister went to that. And so she was, um, she was in her late teens, I think at the time. And I have, you know, I was about six and I just have this memory of watching her get ready, to go to this concert, and I think she probably went to the Philadelphia one, just just looking at the regions of where he played, um, and I remember her being dressed like Madonna, like she was really into her Madonna phase, so she had the big floppy bow, and she was sitting in her vanity, and I remember her like handing me her cherry chapstick, because like, that was like, the one makeup that I could use, and I remember put, just putting on cherry chapstick, listening to Prince, and like... Being so jealous that she was this like grown up that was gonna go to the show, and so that's my first memory. And then from there on, Prince was just always played in our house. My my family loved his music. My mom especially, for some my mom is a very conservative woman, but for some reason she loves Prince, and her favorite song is Erotic City, which is crazy to me because that song is dirty. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, my I just I remember growing up. Um, very much with
0: him in the household talking about Prince and money troubles and stuff that tour the the Love Sexy tour was like mm-hmm. the most expensive tour that mm. he'd done to that point and when he finally finished that tour he was going to take a break and then you know he recorded Warner Brothers to try and recoup some money persuaded him to record the Batman album just to try and get some money back off this expensive tour uh, and then and then when he toured again in 1990 he called it the nude tour because it was basically just him and the <laughs> band and no other like fancy stuff on stage it was just right. it was just a simple tour to try and save money basically <laughs> which kind of you know but the fact that prince was being very kind of upfront about it like calling it the nude tour because yeah. people would be you know with prince you'd think that was something sexy but it's like no no it's it's trying to save money basically it's like
1: yeah uh, well for a so... man of mystery he's always been pretty transparent about like money issues with like recording music and like his relationship with his recording company and things like that so yeah that's yeah. pretty
0: funny well let's talk about this song then i mean yeah. uh, if you if you were to ever to read the lyrics <laughs> to the song which You know, it's just basically, uh, it's like a run-on sentence, basically. And I'll read the entire thing, because I think, actually, there's something interesting being said here, which is, Mm. he says, all of this and more is for you, with love, sincerity, and deepest care. My life with you I share. I'm guessing as a, like, 19-year-old recording that in, you know, California, I don't think he realised what he was kind of saying. But if you take that as him talking to the fans, Mm
1: -hmm. it's almost
0: like him saying, from now on, for the rest of my life, I am Mm going to be... I'm going to be a performer for you and I'm going to, I'm going to share my life with you and and my life is going to be my music. And, and that's literally what the rest of his life was basically. So
1: yeah, it sounds like a wedding vow. Like when I listen to it, like even, even like the aesthetic of the music sounds like, you know, it's light and airy and it just sounds very lovely. But yeah, the the words, especially, it sounds like I vow, like something a groom would say at, you know, at the altar when they're on their wedding day.
0: I mean, you know, should I ever get to the point where I get married? I would be tempted to have this as my, yeah. You know, that's a great idea because it, it really, you know, um, and also like the title, you know, just kind of goes past when he says, this is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't really kind of hang on it. In fact, any of these words from this thing could have just been the title. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it just, it doesn't, none of the, the, words for you don't really kind of add anything. But I just, I just like the fact that he says, "My life with you, I share," which is, mm-hmm. you know, to, to like, I don't, you know, as a nineteen-year-old, he probably didn't know what that, that was meaning. But looking back now, mm-hmm. we can see that's what he did. You know, he, yeah, he shared. You know, it's, it's of course sung in the, the, the trademark falsetto. This is, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of documentaries where Prince has talked about why he sang in falsetto for, for you know, kind of most of the early part of his career, and it was because if he sang in a lower register, it actually hurt him. It, mm. His, his voice would hurt to sing. Kind of in his speaking mm-hmm. register, which if you've ever heard Prince interviewed, his speaking register is actually a lot lower than you would expect. Quite low, yeah. And and so he's singing, you know, this the the falsetto, which is something that you know any any Prince fan will know about. And it's just it's just a you know, like an a cappella song uh, with with Prince playing the kind of the backing vocalist to his, mm-hmm. once once again Prince doing something that he will do in in later years a lot. You could imagine Prince saying, "Can we get some backing singers to do the other parts?" <laughs> them coming in doing it and him going now I can do this better I'll do it myself <laughs> yeah, yeah um, totally. and so that's what he does and after he's after he said kind of like all the words he then does this this kind of almost experiment where he's like ping ponging the voices across and if mm-hmm. you're listening to it in stereo you just kind of get the feeling of Prince being around you mm-hmm. um, and it, you know it's not a substantial song um, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting that this is how Prince chose to start out by saying you know almost as if to say look this is what I can do. It's like, you look at me, you know, mm-hmm. on the album cover, um, a kind of, <laughs> a kind of blurred, <laughs> kind of running away prince, almost, like kind of... Yeah. Like, and, and you know, he's he's almost saying, if you think that that guy is going to be singing, you know, I don't know, like funk or soul or, mm-hmm. you know, anything that was popular at the time, he's almost mm-hmm. starting this album saying, no, I'm going to be completely different. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm singing, you know, an octave higher than you're going to expect, and I'm going to be doing all the backing vocals, and I'm going to be playing all the instruments, mm-hmm. and... And this is kind of not really uh, kind of of the era, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll speak about this on some of the other tracks because obviously once we start to get instruments (laughs) rather than just (laughs) Prince's voice, kind of, you know, the the, the kind of the feel of this album, it almost feels like had it been recorded a year earlier, it would have been a very kind of disco record. Mm -hmm. But Prince has kind of avoided that. And a lot of the later songs, although they have like some of them have a bit of a disco feel, he never, it never becomes a disco record at any point, you know. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if I were to pigeonhole this into a genre, which I don't think I can do, but mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like almost the start of a ballad.
1: It, yeah, uh, definitely
0: is a ballad. You know, yeah. And it, it kind of just feels like Prince, you know, um, basically laying out his stall and, and showing off. And that's yeah. what a lot of this album is, is basically is Prince yeah. showing off. Um, mm-hmm. But with songs that are not really the best kind of showcase... Mm -hmm. um you know i have no doubt that when he played it live you know with uh, andre and dez and and, Mm -hmm. and bobby zee uh, the the songs probably came alive a lot more but the production Mm -hmm. for the rest of this album you know even with this track is very kind of i don't know i I think slathered on would be a kind of way to describe it yeah
1: it's super produced yeah
0: yeah and and i think that kind of You know, if you're if you're if you were a teenager, I would love to imagine to be this. If you were, say, a teenager who was about Prince's age, and this wasn't, you know, you saw Prince's face staring at you in the record store, and you decided to purchase (laughs) this album, I think it'd be interesting to kind of sit down, put it on, and hear this as the opening track, and be thinking, what what is this guy doing? Like, what is (laughs) what is this album gonna be about? But
1: it is interesting to think of it in like to think of Prince's long game. Right? Like we were talking about his whole career and that like since he made this choice as a as a nineteen year old, how like amazingly like prescient he was about like like thinking about I don't know, and that you know, we obviously know how Prince's career turned out and how much a part of our lives he has been. That like this seems it almost seems spooky that his studio career started with this like very short very sparse very simple but beautiful dedication to all of us and so like it's it's funny to think about it not just like as the album but like this is like the genesis of his entire career
0: yeah and it's interesting because obviously you know the front the, the the front album picture has kind of like you know like I said the kind of blurry Prince picture. His eyes are staring at you, but there there's kind of uh, kind of lines as it, as it's as he's moving away from yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the back or on the inside sleeve, if you know if you had like the, uh, the vinyl, it's basically a Prince <laughs> it appears to be naked sitting on, like, a bed with his guitar in front of him. Uh, and, you know, that, that big afro that he, you know, he had for these first couple of albums, you know, the moustache, um, mm. you know, which, you know, over the course of his career will become sculpted in various different ways. <laughs> um, and there's kind of, like, one prince sitting on the bed, but then there's two kind of, like, ghost princes either side of him in front of this, like, window, which has, like, the background to, like, I don't know, the stars or something. And mm-hmm. looking at that, you know that image now, like of this nineteen-year-old Prince sitting on this bed naked <laughs> with a guitar, you're like, I guess that's kind of why warner's stuck with him. Was like, clearly, this is Prince going, yeah, this is what I want the album to be, and this is, yeah, this is what the picture's going to be. It's going to be me. I'm naked. I'm on the bed. I've got a guitar. It's like he has a very clear vision of what he wants his yeah. career to be, even this early in.
1: I mean, his confidence has always been like extreme and I think that that has gotten him far like I can't imagine being the studio exec or whoever to dare question him whether he's 19 or not like can you imagine like asking Prince to explain himself that would never happen so yeah like I, it's very funny that like even since
0: this first album he's always been like that so I mean you know I, I have a feeling that on my iTunes I, I think I probably gave this like a, a four out of five because I think mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's uh, you know there's some tracks on this album which i in fact this album for me is mostly three out of five but I just mm-hmm. like yeah. I like the kind of the experimentation and you know like it's an interesting start to mm-hmm. you know to an entire career mm-hmm. uh, you know
1: I think the track I think the track as it stands alone I would definitely say a three but when you think about it as the starter of the album and then as like I've sort of been thinking about it now that we're talking about the start of his career. I think it's definitely at least a four out of five. Many, many years
0: later, um, Prince recorded a song. Um, I say Prince recorded a song, but if you know the song I'm talking about, um, you know, it's, it's not really Prince. Mm. Um, it, uh, the, the the track I'm I'm thinking about is a Million Dollar Show. Of course, the dollar is a dollar sign because, mm-hmm. <laughs> by <laughs> Prince it took Prince a few years, but you know he he's started to kind of incorporate, um, you know, uh, symbols and and mm-hmm. kind of text speak into stuff. Um, and um, the the song I'm thinking about is a Million Dollar Show, which is mostly sung by Judith Hill and not by mm. Prince. Um. And, you know, even though it's written by Prince and and, and uh, Joshua Welton, who, you know, was his producer for his last two albums, um, and it, it opens up by sampling the beginning of For You and then transitioning that into the opening for Let's Go Crazy and, right. you know, and just kind of a 1999 and just kind of sampling the mm-hmm. more well-known kind of like intros of Prince's career, uh, yeah. you know, because obviously the... The uh, "Don't Worry, I Won't Hurt You" is really well known, and the, the you know the dearly beloved. Obviously, those are yeah. really well known intros. But it's interesting that you know um, on what was essentially his penultimate album, it's, you know, someone thought, well, let's let's go back to the very first track and yeah. you know, and it also I mean you know knowing that it was his penultimate album, although you know you can argue that Hit and Run Phase One and Two are basically one long double album if you right. yeah. want. Yeah, essentially, it's his final album sampling the first track from his first album and it's it's almost like a bookend to his career so it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know obviously that's in hindsight I don't think mm-hmm. Prince would have decided to use um, that snippet as if to say, this is it, I'm done you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and Prince was never going to retire um so i can't imagine him ever i can't imagine him ever recording an album thinking this is my final album This is it right exactly obviously you know if you're a, if you're a fan who's never heard the first album i would hope that you know hearing the sample on million dollar show would be something that would spur you to you know <laughs> look into the kind of the first few prince albums uh, mm-hmm. which i feel are the ones that kind of get overlooked a little bit simply because yeah definitely they're not really you know they're they're not like the rest of his stuff there's a couple of good singles on each of them but you know the album tracks. I feel are a little weaker than than what comes after. So
1: well, you can see the evolution, or you can hear, I should say, the evolution. And I think it's important to know, yeah, these albums where they come from or whatever. But yeah, they're not his like meaty stuff later. But it, it's it's interesting to hear these,
0: knowing what comes later. Um, so I think there's nothing much, you know, more to say about mm-hmm. um, about this this opening track for this first album. Uh, so we'll, I think we should go to plugs. Have you got anything we should All plug right. get in?
1: Um, yeah, I host a podcast called Lady Sue Library, and it is um, all things library related, but it's pretty accessible for all. We always talk about what we're watching, reading, listening to, and um, you can find us on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, and also at ladieshoolibrary.com.
0: Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook at Prince Track by Track, or um, we've managed to get the Twitter handle Prince Podcast. Uh, nice so (laughs) I'm pretty happy about that (laughs) Uh, or if you wish to email us for any reason I don't know why you would but if you do then we're PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com so thanks for being my guest on this first episode Erin yeah
1: thanks I'm so excited about this podcast
0: and uh, otherwise goodbye